He gave all for you and for me and brought us into his family and forgave our sins and paid the awful price of the death on the cross. We willingly surrender to that call. Brothers and sisters, that is the heart of a disciple. Welcome to First and Foremost, a weekly broadcast of First Presbyterian Church in the heart of downtown Greenville. Senior Pastor Richard Gibbons invites you to join us as we study God's Word together and discover what is first and foremost in our lives. Our scripture this morning is taken from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 4. And we're going to begin reading with verse 18. If you have your Bibles, please turn. And if you don't, there is a pew Bible there for you. It's on page 1500 in the Pew Bible. Before we read the scriptures and I bring the message I believe God has laid on my heart, let's go to the throne. Our Lord and our God, we are here to worship. We are here to learn. We are here to be changed. Open our eyes that we might behold wondrous things out of thy law. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew chapter 4, beginning with verse 18. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. And they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. And at once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. And they were in a boat with their father Zebedee preparing their nets. And Jesus called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. And Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. But my message involves a personal call, a call to you, a call that is urgent. A call that you and I cannot afford to ignore. It is the call to discipleship. For you see, I believe that the greatest challenge facing the church today is the challenge and issue of discipleship. Now, I know that's saying a lot, and to you it might seem like a bit of an exaggeration. You can think, you know, stand with all of the issues that the church is facing today. Think of it. Christians around the world are being persecuted and martyred. Supreme Court decisions in Washington redefining marriage. Skyrocketing divorce. Our culture's wholesale rejection of biblical values and morals. Moral failure among Christian leaders that we trusted. And there are a host of other things. So why would I come and say to you this morning that discipleship is the most important issue facing the church today? Well, that's the purpose of my message. The short answer, of course, is that this is what Jesus called us to be. 
And if Jesus called us to be disciples, then that makes it important. But before we can begin to understand this subject, we must be aware that there is a big assumption here. The assumption in discipleship is that you have already placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior. You see, you cannot be a disciple if you're not a believer. God does not call unbelievers to be disciples. Unbelievers are called to repent and to believe the gospel and put their trust in Christ alone for eternal life. Now, if you're here this morning and you're an unbeliever, God is calling you to faith in his son for the salvation of your soul. John 3.16 says it, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, that eternal life, according to God's word, is to be received by faith. And it's totally and completely a free gift. There's nothing you can do to earn it. Jesus died for your sins. He paid the full price for your redemption. And the penalty for your sins and the penalty for my sins is eternal death. It is separation from God for all eternity. But you see, Jesus paid that debt in full. And there's nothing we can do to add to it and nothing that we can do to take away. But right on the heels of that gift that is received by faith is the call to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ. And so my question today for all of us is, are you a follower of Jesus Christ? And so with that, let's dig in. What is this call to be a disciple? And the first thing that I want to look at is the nature of the call. The, this call to be a disciple is a universal call. That means it is given to every Christian. Now, I do understand that we could look at this passage that I just read, and we could miss the point. Because it seems here that Jesus is only called four people to be his disciples, Peter, Andrew, James, and John. There doesn't seem to be a general calling to everyone, so you could conclude that discipleship is not for everyone. But this misses the point. If you read the rest of the Gospels, you will see as Jesus called his 12 disciples, that they were commissioned to go out and make disciples of all nations. And that is what the Great Commission is all about. Jesus said, go into all the nations and make disciples. Disciples, not converts, not just good church members, not good fathers and mothers, disciples. And that's what the Great Commission teaches us. And then remember what Jesus said. He asked us to pray. He said, pray for the gospel of the kingdom. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. One of the most diabolical schemes that I believe that Satan has ever thrust upon the church today is the belief that only a few are gifted and called. Brothers and sisters, studies of our own church have shown that we are off the charts 
when it comes to our commitment to biblical authority. And I love that. But I want to ask, where is our concept and practice of biblical discipleship? If we are committed to the Word of God, and we see it as the strength of our church, part of our DNA, why are there so many of us that don't hear the call to discipleship? It's a question we're going to have to face as a church. It is being addressed in our strategic plan. It's under the heading of engagement. So why is there this reluctance to hear the call? Well, I can think of a couple of reasons. We don't hear the call often because there's sin in our lives. And what happens when sin invades us? Well, the first thing it does, it captivates our hearts. It entices us into a world of our own. And then it begins to rule our lives, our thoughts, and our behavior in our time. We get consumed in our own agenda, in our own sin. And then the result is that we do, we do, we're not able to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit calling us to be disciples of Jesus Christ. And another thing is just busyness. Too much of everything and too little of the real important things. Now, I don't have to tell any of us here that this morning, I'm sure. The problem is not that we have ruled God out of our lives. We've just crowded him out. And I can tell you from my own pastoral ministry, one of the biggest hurdles that we have to deal with in congregational care is that everybody is so exhausted. We're busy. We're tired. And sometimes we think that's being spiritual. Well, I think of the Apostle Paul in this regard. Paul's life, before he came to Christ, was consumed. Consumed with a hatred of the church. Consumed with persecution. He was going from town to town trying to destroy the church. Reminds me of a story of Gordon Liddy that I heard, a Watergate conspirator. After the Watergate, of course, Chuck Colson had become a very dedicated Christian. And one day someone asked Liddy, he said, Gordon, have you seen the light yet? Liddy responded, I can't tell you exactly how he responded, but something like that, I can't repeat it all. Heck no, I'm not even looking for the light. Well, that was Paul. But God stopped him in his tracks, blinded by the light, deeply affected by the voice that froze him in his tracks. The very first response that you hear from Paul is, Lord, what would you have me to do? How can I get involved? Now, note here the difference between becoming a Christian and becoming a disciple. Though there is a vast difference in becoming a Christian and living out the Christian life, God never meant for the two to be separated. The call to one includes and implies a call to the other. Now, it's not only a universal call, but it's also an urgent call. 
In the Greek text, what Jesus said in, term, in following me is in the imperative mood. It's not a request. It's not just a good idea. It's not a way to have a successful or noble career. It's not a way just to feel good about yourself. It's the call of a sovereign God. And it's an urgent call. Why? Because of the spiritual nature of the work. I don't blush at all when I say to you that I believe, as the Scripture teaches, that Satan is at work. And his work, as Paul says, is in blinding the hearts and minds of those who do not believe. He's not just sitting back hoping that people don't respond to the gospel. No, Satan is at work in our world, blinding the world to the truth of the gospel. And so souls are being lost, eternally lost. Souls that God loves and cares for. But this whole thing of urgency is not just a matter of the salvation of the soul. We see evil spreading its wings everywhere, don't we? Terrorism, human trafficking, addictions, child and spouse abuse, genocide. Folks, I'm really not trying to, to depress you here. I'm trying to raise the level of the call to help us to understand what an urgent thing that it is. And sometimes we mistakenly think if we just get the right president or just get the other congressman or we just get the right this, some of the people in office, that the answer is going to be there. But what we're facing today, beloved, is a spiritual war, something that our elected officers are not going to be able to resolve. The only way that we're going to address the issues in our culture today if the people of God answer the call to be disciples of Jesus Christ. So that's the nature of the call. But what about the purpose of the call? Well, we can say it like this. The purpose of the call to be a disciple is to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now the question is, what was that gospel? Well, look at Matthew 24, Matthew 4.23. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming what? The gospel of the kingdom. Not the gospel of the atonement. Not the gospel of justification. Not the gospel of forgiveness. The gospel of the kingdom. What is the gospel of the kingdom? The gospel of the kingdom is not just the salvation of the soul, though it certainly includes that. The gospel of the kingdom is the reign of Christ over his enemies where all of the earth will be filled with the righteousness and the glory of the Lord. And you and I as disciples of Christ are building that kingdom now. Now, I want you to think about something for just a moment. Why in the scriptures is the church often referred to as the body of Christ? I think that's kind of unusual, don't you? The body of Christ. Why is that? 
Well, the church is the presence of Christ in the world. Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. That's John 20, 21. So you see, what we have is a missionary God sending his Son on a mission to redeem the world and to establish the righteous reign of God over the world. And that mission has been directly passed on to us. We as the church are the presence of Christ in the world wherever we are called. And brothers and sisters, that in a nutshell is a summary of the entire Bible. For the theme of the Bible is the kingdom of God. We've seen the nature and we've seen the purpose. Finally, I'd like for us to understand our response to the call. Now again here, we can read this passage superficially and conclude that in order to respond to this call we must drop all of our responsibilities leave our jobs leave our families and go somewhere to do whatever we're supposed to do but we know that that's not what everyone is called to do so the question you can ask and the question that is before us today is how can I know that I am a disciple? How can I be a disciple of Jesus Christ? And I want to mention there are two, two ways. Number one, the dis, we know that a disciple spends significant time with Jesus. Now please don't overlook this. This is true. This is a a characteristic of every man and woman, every Christian that I've ever known that's had any impact on the world is they have spent significant time with Jesus. You see, a disciple enters into the presence of his Savior and embraces the joy of those moments together. It is there in the presence of Christ that he or she learns the very heartbeat of God. And those disciples cast their vision forward to a day, a day when righteousness, joy, and peace will fill the earth, the eternal state. The disciples in the first century were able to die because they clearly saw the kingdom of God. And that's why today, for you and for me, as his disciples, we don't have to throw up our hands in frustration. And we don't have to retreat as we see the world begin to fall apart. We know that another day is coming. The kingdom of God will be victorious. This is expressed fairly clearly as well in Acts chapter 4 verse 13. There Peter is preaching to a group of people right after a man was healed. Now this was a dangerous thing to do back then. The authorities were after Peter and James and James. They were, they were having to hide. But here Peter is preaching in the open air. And it says in verse 13 of chapter 4, When they saw the courage of Peter and John, 
They realized that they were just ordinary, unschooled men. And they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. So the first principle of discipleship is that the disciple has spent significant time with Christ. I ask you this morning, have you been with Jesus? Has the Holy Spirit touched your life to the point when you can say, I see people the way Jesus sees people? I see and understand and long for the things that God longs for. I have gotten a glimpse of his glory and majesty, and I want to be a part. That's the mark of a disciple. The second mark. A disciple lives out the gospel in every area of life. You see, Jesus called these disciples to come and walk and live with him. Why? Because his work was going to incorporate every aspect of life. He was calling the disciples to live out their faith. Now, sometimes our concept of discipleship is more like attending a class uh, or reading a book or attending church. All of those are very, very important as far as it goes. But it stops woefully short. The response of the call to discipleship begins with a kingdom vision. And it involves every aspect of your life. Now, I don't want us to leave here with some type of general vague notion about what it means to be a disciple. So I want to ask the further question. How specifically can this be taken in your life. So let me bring it closer to home. When you get home, take out your calendar. Look at your appointments. Look at the meetings that you have. Are you asking yourself the question, how am I going to live out the gospel in that meeting? How can I represent the gospel in that appointment? Do you have a business today? From a kingdom perspective, that business is given to you as a trust. Its purpose is to advance the kingdom of God in the business world. And if you want to know how that's done, we have a number of Christian businessmen and professionals who are leading the way in making their businesses honor the lordship of Christ. A real true disciple means that you're looking at your role that God has given you as a father and as a parent, as a husband, a wife, a student, a teenager. Or maybe you have a spare bedroom and a real love for children. Do you have any idea how many abandoned children that are out there who need foster homes? What better way to invest your life in the kingdom To make a difference in a child's life. Or you might be here thinking, you know, Stan, I don't have any of that. Well, you have time. You have a phone. You can pray. You can call. There's there's so much that can be done. Living out the gospel means that I commit 
to the priorities of Jesus Christ for my life. And that is the lordship of Christ over all of life. You see, we don't believe that there is a dichotomy between the secular and the sacred. We believe that all of life is sacred. And the applications of this are so numerous, I couldn't begin to name them. They're as broad as your life itself. But there is another response, and that's the response to ignore the call to be a disciple. And you can say this morning, Stan, it's a little too much for me to chew. I really didn't um, sign up for this. The cost is just too great. And I want to say, yes, the cost is great. The cost is everything because God wants it all. But what I want you to think about is this. Not the, call, not the cost of being a disciple, but think about the cost of ignoring the call. What is that cost? I call it a so what life. And personally, a so what life is my greatest fear in life. What is a so what life? You lived. So what? You had a family. So what? You had a business and a career and a job. So what? You had lots of fun. You went on a lot of vacations and really lived it up. So what? One day it's all over. So what? There's no ultimate significance to a so what life. So Jesus says to you and to me, come and I will make you fishers of men. That is his work. That he has allowed us to be partners with him in the renewal of all things. And nothing could be more exciting. Nothing could be more significant. So I ask us this morning to hear the master's voice. He's calling you by name. It is an urgent call to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And so you may say, okay, what is God calling me to do? You know, Stan, I come to church. I give and to support the church. And I want to say thank you so much. That's wonderful. That's certainly a big part of being a disciple. But there's more to it. We need to be able to come before our God and say, all my life, God, belongs to you. All of my money belongs to you. All of my relationships belong to you. My business, my family, my downtime, my vacations are all a part of the calling because he gave all for you and for me and brought us into his family and forgave our sins and paid the awful price of the death on the cross. We willingly surrender to that call. Brothers and sisters, that is the heart of a disciple. And I hope today that this is a personal call to you to come and follow Jesus and he'll make you a fisher of men and women. Let's bow. Lord, we are so thankful for the grace that has been shed abroad in our hearts that has brought us to a saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ.
We thank you that in that call, there's also the challenge and call to be a disciple. Help us to hear that call this morning. Remove the sin in our lives. Remove the busyness that keeps us from hearing that call. And may we respond with wholehearted and loving obedience. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you missed a Sunday? Go to our website to watch previous broadcasts, download a podcast, or purchase a CD or DVD. And don't forget to connect with First Pres by liking us on Facebook and Twitter, signing up to receive emails, or requesting prayer online.